1: Blog Talk Radio.
0: What if you were wearing something sexy? What if you were drinking? What if you made the first move? No matter what, sexual assault is never your fault. Support is available 24-7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call 1-800-656-HOPE or visit RAINN.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot this is Christina Ricci with Rain, reminding you it's never your fault.
2: Brought to you by Rain and this station.
1: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Also, we have all these cool story things now. They, like, pop up. They last for 24 hours. Don't forget to check those out. Sometimes I post things about giveaways there. You never know. You can win something, a book, CD, tickets. Never know. Just check it out. But thank you so much for supporting the show. Well, today I'm talking with some specialists. And I say specialists. One is a doctor and one is actually a person dealing with the issue. Talking to them about migraines. Have you ever had a headache? We took some Tylenol, probably felt fine in about an hour or so. Migraines are a whole other creature. So I believe we have our specialist on the line right here. Uh, Good morning. Is this Dr. Charleston?
2: Good morning. This sure is. Good morning. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, I'm going to get the other line. I think um, this is Jamie. Awesome. Jamie, this is you. Hi. I'm here. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So let me just let the audience know. I have Dr. Charleston IV uh, online. Um, uh, he's in headache medicine, a clinical associate professor, Department of Neurology, University of Michigan. Um, and then I have Jamie Sanders. She is actually a person living with migraines, and she is the migraine diva. And she is an advocate for trying to help people get the right treatment and care and get the right information out there about migraines to people. Um, I also want to give a thanks to Mary Franklin at the National Headache Foundation. She connected me uh, with these individuals, so I really want to thank her very much for that. Um, So let's start out in the beginning, Dr. Charleston. What's the difference between the migraine and the headache?
2: Well, migraine is really a syndrome. I, first of all, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to share today. So thank you, uh, Mrs. Uh, Keys. Um, and uh, so migraine is one of the 300 different headache syndrome. I mean, headache disorders that we have. Um, it is a syndrome that includes a headache part, but there's other parts to it. So there's other phases two migraines, so you may have a what we call pro, uh, prodrome or premonitory phase. That's one phase. About a uh, fourth of patients have um, uh, uh, aura phase, whereas uh, usually a, uh, it's a reversible neurological synd- uh, syndrome. Usually it's, it's uh, visual, but it can be sensory, and it can be other uh, neurological things as well. Then you have the headache phase, and that's what a lot of people are familiar with. Um, And this is a, it could be a moderate, it's usually, so it's by definition, moderate to severe um, headache disorder that is usually one side, but it can be both sides. Um, It it can be pulsating, it can have a lot of different qualities to it. Um, It can cause people to not want to do things that they would normally, uh, that they normally could do because of that, the pain level is one of the most disabling disorders actually in the world. I mean, it's number two uh, in, in the mm. world, uh, particularly, um, uh, uh, you know, I think stroke is first and then, then migraine. So uh, when we look at all cases of disability, particularly um, in, um, in reproductive years, for sure. Um, and so it's one of those, it's a, it's a debilitating disorder. Um, and then it's all usually associated with, it can have a lot of associated symptoms, but very commonly uh, with uh, nausea or vomiting, um, sensitivity to lights and sounds, and even smells. Um, so it, it, and then there's a the, the next phase. It's is called the resolution phase or the post-stromal uh, phase, and there can be problems with concentrating. I mean, it's just fatigue. I mean, you can have some... Uh, psychological comorbidities. When I say comorbidities, I mean one disorder that happens with another disorder that happens more than chance, more than coincidence. So people can feel anxious. They can feel depressed. They can just be tired and fatigued and and things like that uh, with it. So So it is a whole bunch of things
1: going on. Absolutely. There's a whole bunch of things going on with this other than just a headache. Jamie, when was the first, what was the time you first had a migraine? When did you first have a migraine and what Did you have these prodromes and all these things that Dr. Charleston is talking about?
0: When I had my first migraine, I was eight years old, and I was not familiar at all. Yes, I was eight. Wow. Yes. Okay. And so there was no language about uh, uh, all of the different phases of migraine for me at that time. Um, All I knew was there was this intense sudden onset of pain, And it was extremely debilitating. And when you're a child and dealing with that level of severity when it comes to pain, it's just unfathomable to you. Um, Luckily for me, though, because it does run in my family, my mother, who had migraine as a child also, understood and recognized what my symptoms were. So I was able to get diagnosed at that age, which I think is very rare um, for a lot of children, especially in the 1980s. Um, But migraine has been in my life for the majority of my life. So it's been quite a journey for me. I can just tell you that.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Now, Dr. Charleston, is that something unusual that children get migraines? Is there a certain age range that's more affected by this? Um, Are men more affected than women? Um,
2: No. So generally, so, yes, you can have a migraine as, as a child in a pediatric age. Um, usually the the ratio is one to one in pediatrics. Um, so the, the challenge is, I mean, it can be and even just even uh, people younger than um, than Jamie was. Um, and and sometimes I, I know there there's colleagues of mine that to try to get uh, the uh, uh, the kids to actually explain it if they draw pictures or what have you or look at faces and things like that to kind of describe how they're feeling because it's very challenging. As we as we grow older, when you get into the uh, young adult years, you start to see a separation in the prevalence, and it start to uh, tend to uh, affect women more than men. Usually, about two to three to one um, at, at that at that point. Um, and um, you know whether it's you know some other different components, but it's still a very prevalent. We're talking about a very prevalent uh, disorder. So um, about one in every. Five, I say Well, it's six percent. I'll say for things six percent of men um, in the United States. Uh, that's the average uh, estimate. Are affected. That's millions of men, and about eighteen percent of women. Uh, millions wow. and millions of women. So, so yeah. And it has a different spectrum. Like everyone, uh, their people have different spectrum. Some people only have a migraine once a year. Some people have it every day. I mean, and so there is a pain spectrum with it, but it's very highly prevalent.
1: Jamie, so you said that you were able to deal with it early because your mother had migraines. Now, are you on a medication right now, if you don't mind me asking or sharing, to help with the migraines? And what is that medication?
0: Sure. So, yes, I am on several preventives. Uh, Like Dr. Charleston said, um, there is a spectrum with migraines. For the past 13 years, I've been chronic and intractable, which means I've been in pain every single day. So for me, um, managing my migraine, my specific migraine, is more about managing the daily levels of severity and um, intensity of my pain. I am not expecting it to go away. So what I'm trying to do is, make it so that I can have some semblance of a quality of life um, with my pain. So the medications that I currently take, um, I do Botox every three months as a preventive, um, as well as several different nerve blocks um, as well to help manage the pain. I take about, I think it's three different oral preventive medications. Um, One is a blood pressure medication, um, one is an Alzheimer medication, and um, the third is, and you have to excuse me because my I have what we call migraine brain, so sometimes I forget things, um, mm-hmm. but I okay. have a third one as well. Um, and uh, I take several supplements as well, so I take vitamin D, I take um, vitamin um, B, and folic acid as well every day. And um, so, what that does let for Let me ask Dr.
1: Charlton real quick. Let, yeah. me, mm-hmm. let me just ask him real quick. Um, is this normal, what I'm hearing? Do you have people um, taking such varieties of medication? Uh, is it safe to mix the quote-unquote standard medications with, say, alternative medicines? What is your, What are your thoughts on that?
2: So yeah, so there's a a, a wide range of um, of different therapy. Let's just say let's say therapies that could uh, we could do for uh, preventive. So uh, um, real quick, a, a to me like a comprehensive plan. This gets to your question. A comprehensive uh, headache treatment plan includes abortus or something to acute uh, to take care of try to uh, abort or get rid of that acute uh, pain. Um, it also includes prevention, um, things to try to decrease the number of days, the severity, the duration uh, of the headache, the decrease the number of uh, abortive medications you have to take to it help the medications work better, help improve quality of life. That's kind of what a prevention uh, does. And then there, I, I call it a, a tradition, uh, non-pharmacological modalities, like in the traditional sense where there's headache, healthiness, and uh, sometimes behavioral modalities uh, that can help. So yes, there is a combination that I, call, I consider that a comprehensive headache uh, treatment plan. Um, and there's combinations that you can do uh, that that are safe for patients um, or uh, people with migraine disorders. And um, so yes, absolutely, you you could do that. And sometimes you have to do more than one. It's almost similar to. I think about it with my training in internal medicine with blood pressure, right? Sometimes we have to do, um, particularly in African-American population, you may need two or three different blood pressure agents for even uh, uh, just essential uh, hypertension, so essential high blood pressure. So
1: sometimes
2: okay. the disorder is, uh, the migraine disorders is as such that you need various treatments. Yes, ma'am. Now, Jamie, can you,
1: um, do you, did you change your diet or change things that you eat? Are there triggers in food? I I read something about chocolate and nuts. Do you have any triggers in food, Jamie? Um, Or do you stay away from certain things? Absolutely. Um, Food is definitely um, part of
0: a list of triggers that many people with migraine um, have to monitor. For me, um, my specific food triggers are some of the, the more common ones. So, Um, alcohol or red wine, aged cheeses, any types of processed foods that have nitrites or nitrates in them, MSG. Um, Popcorn is a trigger for me. Also, I can't eat popcorn. Um, And the smell of raw onions is a trigger for me. And um, cranberry juice and apple juice and grape juice are triggers for me as well. Um, So I have Yeah, I have to avoid certain things. Um, I do uh, have changed my diet um, to some extent. Um, I try to really limit um, the amount of – I don't eat processed foods. I read labels religiously because there are so many hidden um, additives and preservatives and hidden MSG and hidden um, wheat and gluten in a lot of products. So I have to make sure I read a lot of labels to make sure I'm not getting any of that in my food, and um, I avoid dairy, and I also avoid a lot of sugar. Sugar is something I just don't care for, um, so I try to avoid
1: that as Can well. Can you do soy? Can you do soy or almond milk? Uh, some other alternatives? Um, yes, I uh, I
0: don't do soy, um, but I do almond milk or oat milk. And, um, okay. and like Dr. Charleston said, um, it is a comprehensive uh, way of approaching managing migraine. And so there are other aspects um, to my treatment plan, um, behavioral modification. So, you know, I have a pain psychologist, which helps me with not just managing how my pain affects me um, in my emotional state, but also how to deal with or coping with that pain in a healthy way. I meditate. I do breathing exercises. um, I do massage therapy acupuncture. So there are many Mm, different levels. I like
1: massage therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I like that. I like the massage therapy. Now, I had a migraine. I I remember the first time I had a migraine myself. I don't get them often, but it was the first time. I, I had no idea the debilitation and I had to go to the bathroom and run my head under the cold water. I had to go on my room. I, any sounds when I moved to get up with me, I thought I was going to throw up. Um, it, it was like, I guess like, I felt like a classic migraine, but I, I was like, Oh my God, what the hell is happening? You know, should I call the ambulance? Um, Dr. Charleston, at what point, should somebody call an ambulance? Maybe it's not a migraine. Maybe it's something else. How would a person know?
2: Well, are times uh, there there are signs that we call um, uh, a secondary. Uh, like you are looking for secondary causes of headaches. Remember, at the beginning, I, I said that there's 300 different causes of headaches. Some of them, what we call, we we classify as primary headache disorders, um, uh, and, and that that's where migraine, tension-type headache. Uh, um, uh, even even hypnic headache and, and some, some, like, cluster headaches, all those types of things, they fit in, in that. But a lot of times you have to um, uh, rule out uh, a different um, uh, secondary, uh, secondary headache. So there's secondary headaches as well. And there's a mnemonic that we, we use and that we teach, and uh, there's been several variations of that, but we call it SNOOP, Okay. Um, so the S, so O O P, right? I mean, there's variations okay. There's a lot of P's and things like that, but just in general. So if there's systemic uh, symptoms such as fever or weight loss uh, or secondary risk factors such as uh, systemic cancer or HIV or immunocompromised, so if there's systemic systems, that's the S. Um, you, we, we're concerned. If there's neurological symptoms, so confusion, impaired alertness, and uh, or uh, consciousness, um, or weakness. I mean, it's particularly the first time because remember I said that there can be a uh, a reversible neurological symptom, but but when it happens the first time, we need to make sure that there isn't anything going on um, in the sense that there's a secondary or a stroke or aneurysm or, or something like that. We need to make sure that there that that it is attributed to uh, the actual headache disorder. By, by, by um, example two, uh, what I'm, uh, the uh, migraine is a diagnosis of exclusion. So sometimes we have to exclude different things, okay. and you may have some things that overlap or some symptoms that overlap, but neurological mm-hmm. symptoms, particularly the first time, um, we want to, uh, that's a worry of symptom sound, that's a red flag. The onset, if it's sudden, abrupt, like in a split second, um, or we sometimes mm-hmm. call it thunderclap headaches, uh, we want to do that. Uh, we want to probably get some neuroimaging and evaluate uh, the reasons for that because uh, migraine, while it can be moderate to severe, it usually doesn't happen, like, all of a sudden, okay? It can sometimes, but okay. we got to rule things out. And then the last the, um, O is, like, if it's older. So if, if people get a, a new onset uh, or progressive headache, particularly um, when they're over 50. So if 50 and you're starting a new headache disorder – uh, that's that's a red flag, and then um, you know, a previous if it's a change from previous uh, headache uh, 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 that you've had before, so it's different, uh, it's progressive, or um, uh, there's there's a postural component to it. So when you when you uh, sit up, now, now people with migraine they, they, they do want to go and lay down in a, a, a dark room. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's what I thing. did. <laughs> but it's another thing it's another thing when when you when you sit up and you have a a, a severe headache and you can tell it goes up just be just by the position that you're in. So that's some of the pieces and there's some other pieces, but that's basic. So that's Snoop. So systemic system, neurological symptoms, um, the onset, um, uh, paying attention to that. If it happened in older um, uh, uh, populations uh, and then oh, yeah. um, previous migraine history has changed or a previous headache history. is something that's that's a big change.
1: Jamie, how did you start this Migraine Diva? uh, What what prompted you to share your story with the world?
0: Sure. So back in about 2011, I was feeling extremely alone in my diagnoses. At that time, um, I was diagnosed with chronic migraine, chronic daily headache, and new daily persistent headache. So I didn't know anybody else that looked like me who had any of these types of headache disorders. And although I had a wealth of support around me with my family, still I didn't have a community of people that understood my pain. And I have a history and a background in writing, so um, I started to kind of get familiar with blogging. So I started Blogs uh, the Migraine Diva, and the reason why I chose that name It's because I've always been a fan of makeup. It's been an art form for me. It's a stress reliever. And that was a way for me to hold on to a piece of my identity because my brain is a thief and it steals so much of my life. Um, So I wanted Mm. to hold on to something. So that's why I chose that name. And this was an opportunity for me to connect with other people like myself And I also wanted to use it as a platform to help to erase the stigma behind migraine, as well as the stigmas around uh, mental illness because I also live with depression and anxiety. So that's where the blog came from. That was its purpose, and it brought me into this, place of advocacy that I was not intending to go, um, but I'm very grateful for because it's given my pain a very, very wonderful purpose. Hmm.
1: That's great. That's so great. I really appreciate the work that I see you doing out there. Dr. Charleston, now, is there a surgery that somebody could get? Is there some some surgery that could be done to get rid of a migraine or well, people just have to learn to live with it, or it varies from person to person.
2: So, generally, we do we don't advocate. And I say we, and this is like the American Headache Society. Um, as I, you know, I'm a part of that, and the National Headache Foundation, we don't really advocate uh, surgery. Um, one of the reasons uh, this is, migraine is so complex, um, and the the pathophysiology of migraine may vary from person to person, but there's a lot of different there's a lot of different pathways that are involved. There's a lot of things that we don't even understand, right? Um, that we're just we're trying to um, uh, we're trying to better understand. Um, and even when we look at the different medication, you asked that question earlier, like uh, and therapies, they kind of work on different pathways and everything because migraine is so complex. So we don't I I don't recommend a surgery for a migraine disorder. Um, and um and I wanted to say something uh, too uh because I've had the opportunity to to work with uh Jamie on uh whether it's uh panels or um actually a, a group we're in now that looks at some of the disparities and and she is she is phenomenal she's done a phenomenal job I, I i you know the 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 fact that she has everything that she's gone through and she's using this not not just to benefit herself or i mean I, of course um she needs I mean, obviously needs appropriate care and everything like that, but to to reach out to others and and mm-hmm. it is very interesting too because um one of the things that I talk to my patients um about I talk to them about being a partner so i I want to partner with them right to help them to reach uh their goals, but it's a partnership, and so uh it actually this is one of those disorders that it actually requires work and um uh, from from on the patient's perspective, right, and so, but Jamie has gone far and beyond that, and just outside of her realm, and then just being a positive, uh, a light and, and positive influence. So I, I just I definitely want to give her cool oh, for that because she's telling so, you her story. That's really nice. And, and that is, you know, and, it, and it's just, it's just amazing. So I, I'm glad I've had the pleasure, and we're still working together on some some things. So I'm glad that I had the pleasure to actually do this conversation uh, with her, and I wanted people to to, to know that. So um, right. hopefully, I answered your question. Now, now, Jamie, where
1: can people go? Um, they have your site. And I have the link there, but where else? Um, National Headache Foundation, are there other good places that you found that were helpful, say for the first time person getting a migraine and don't know anything and feel lost? Uh, where, where should they go? Yeah. First of all,
0: uh, first off, thank you, Dr. Charleston. That was very, very nice of you. Um, I'm extremely humbled by the words that you uh, used to, to, to speak of me. So thank you so much for that. Um, But if there are some really, really wonderful organizations out there for anyone living with headache or migraine who are wanting to learn more, Um, one good place to get a really good education is milesformigraine.org. They have patient education days, um, which are now virtual, so you can do that online for free. And they have walk, run, rest events, which are also virtual now because of COVID. Um, and I believe those are free now also. Um, That's a really good place to start, especially their education days. Um, The Association for Migraine Disorders is another great website and organization. Um, The American Migraine Foundation has great resources as well. And if you're looking for a, a resource that has multiple organizations information, Champ, the Coalition for Headache and Migraine Patients, which you can find at headachemigraine.org, is another great place that has a wealth of information, especially patient guides, especially when it comes to financial assistance for the new CGRP uh, medications that have been um, are being prescribed now for
1: uh, migraine. Um, are a lot of the medications not covered? Have you found they're not covered by insurance plans? Do people have difficulty with that? Is that um, they're so well, expensive? These, yes. With these new drugs, um,
0: and there's a lot of issues with um, access varies when it comes to insurers and the policies that they have in place. So for a lot of these new medications, some insurers are requiring that the medication has to be prescribed by a headache specialist. And there are only and I think Dr. Charleston probably has the more accurate number about is it over a little over 500, Dr. Charleston? Yes um, in the in the country. Um so yes. that severely limits people's um, access to this treatment. And um there are a lot of uh step therapy policies, and step therapy is when the insurer requires a patient to uh be on
1: and fail. Try one and then. Yeah. Yes. Before Okay. Yeah, try one. I hate initial. that. yeah, I hate that. I've, oh, I've had be- that happen to me with different things. You have to try yes. the one. It doesn't work. Or it gives you some side effect. Then you get on another one. You try the one, da, da da, mm-hmm. da, da. It's so crazy. Now, Dr. Charleston, I mean, not to do, you don't want to do anything illegal, but... <laughs> I mean, is there some kind of, like, appeal you can make to insurance companies to say, you know, look, my patient needs something right now. Acutely they're suffering, and we're making it worse by making them try these other medications. Is there there some trick that you could say, let me put it this way. What I'm asking you is, I'm a patient, and I go to my doctor, and I'm trying to get around the step thing. What can a patient tell their doctor that would help the doctor help them deal with the insurance company? You know what I mean?
2: Well, I I had so that's a that's a loaded question because we all face this. I mean, the prior authorizations um, are you know I, I feel are, are ridiculous. Um, the uh, so one of the things that I do when people come to see me and I, they call it the Doctor Charleston book. So I really want to capture all the information because uh, uh, my uh, one of our uh, medical assistants just told me yesterday he said that that inpatient form that I have that that she's talking about that I have. And the headache calendars have been just a a key when given to, for prior authorizations. And I try to tell patients that all the time. And I know it's not necessarily fun to do, but uh, but that's something that we can do because it's not just it's not just us. And I'm I'm part of the Alliance for um, uh, well, not part of that too, but I'm I'm part of the um, uh, uh, Alliance for uh, Patient Access uh, Working Group, migraine and headache working group. And yes, we do letters and things like that. I think the, the biggest thing besides partnering with the physician, the patients have their voices. They need to raise their voices collectively as a community um, to talk to some of the insurers because, you know, I mean, and understand. I think the other thing, too, that um, patients need to understand their insurance, right, and understand their policy and understand that, you know, the, the insurers, from what I've seen, they'll say the doctor didn't provide this information, or the doctor didn't do it because they wanted you to use to, it to think that it's the doctor's fault. And we're actually in this together. And, and so I think, and, and not all insurers, not, not all insurers are, are like this, but I have seen this. I have seen the denial and saying that, you know, your doctor didn't provide the information and stuff like that. And so, you know, patients are upset with doctors and everything. And the doctor's upset with the insurers and, you know, trying to, you know, so, so we need to, we need to work together. I think, Um, there's a lot of stigma that's uh, associated with headache disorders. I think that plays a role a kind of an overall society role in things of what people think is important and what people don't think is important. And so I really think that I, I, you know, patients, you know, going to their insurance company and and collectively, you know, that's why, that's why websites, um, uh, or 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 Twitter pages and, and things like websites like uh, Jamie has is really important. The Coalition for uh, Hey and uh, Migrant Patients uh, Champ. You know, I mean, there's a collective asset. It's not easy. It's not like hey, I'm just going to go in there and knock down the <laughs> knock the down barriers more, that are up. Know? Yeah.
1: Right. Jamie, real quick, we we're, we're run, run out of time. I want to ask you. Have you experienced discrimination from doctors, Um, say, you know, as an African-American, people not believing your pain, um, maybe thinking you're drug-seeking? Have you had that kind of experience, or do you know people who have had that experience?
0: My experience has been not so much being discriminated against because of my pain. It's been more so I've been blamed for my pain, and um, I've been – frequently ask, am I doing enough to manage my pain? Is um, this usually happens if I'm seeking care um, in an urgent care setting. And this usually comes, I think, because I have a protocol written up by my headache specialist that describes gives a synopsis of my headache disease, what works for me, what hasn't worked, and the specific treatment and doses that I need whenever I need to seek care in the emergency room or urgent care setting. And, um, unfortunately sometimes doctors don't like that in in those settings. And a lot of times I'm questioned a lot about, well, are you doing enough to take care of your pain? And I have to constantly validate my history and Mm -hmm. every Treatment I've ever done, um, and that's very frustrating, especially when you're in a tremendous amount of pain and um, you're seeking help. And right. I'm very conscious as a woman of color, I have to be very aware of how I present myself, how I respond. Um, And I already have a lot of anxiety going into these situations because I don't know what type of doctor is going to walk into that room. Is this doctor going to accept my protocol or is this doctor going to fight me every step of the way until I, you know, have to go and let this person know I'm extremely educated about my disease. I have an extremely long history, well-documented history of my disease. That gives me a lot of anxiety. But I also have to be very aware that I'm a woman of color going into this situation. And I think that's a lot of – that's something that a lot of people who are not of color don't understand. That's another barrier that BIPOC have to deal with when entering the healthcare system and navigating the healthcare system. It's extremely – as a person with chronic pain, it is an extremely frustrating obstacle to have to deal with. And um, I just know I have to, you know, kind of fit in that in that moment and just be mindful, okay, I'm just going to, infuriating as this is making me, I'm going to just be the bigger person here um, despite this extreme level of pain I'm in, which is ridiculous that I have to do this, but I'm going to be extremely straightforward and kind of educate this person right now in this moment just so I can get the care that I need and I shouldn't have to, to care that. that yeah. The, but that's a, that's a, that's a step I I I frequently have to take.
1: Well, I'm glad that you are here sharing your story. I'm glad that you are putting out the information for people. Uh, Dr. Charleston, thank you so much for being on the show today. Your knowledge was very helpful. The show will be archived. People can listen, you know, repeatedly to uh, this information. Um, people don't talk about this subject that much, and that's why it came to me. I said, you know what? I should, I should do a show about this. Um, and I wanted to have people of color because uh, that's what my show focuses on, and to let people know that um, there are doctors that look like them that are out there that can help them, and there are support people that look like them that are out there as well that can help them. Thank you so much, Jamie. And thank you so much, uh, Dr. Charleston, for coming on today.
2: Thank you for having us. Thank really, this you. is amazing. Re- really, thank you so much. Appreciate yeah, it. All right. Thank well, you, so you guys have great. a great
1: day. Stay safe. Okay. Stay healthy with the COVID thing. Wear your mask and your gloves <laughs> <laughs> and your hand sanitizers.
2: <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, we will. All right. Thank you.
1: Okay, thank you. All right, you. everybody be blessed. Thank you. Okay.
2: Thank you. you. Everybody, thank Bye-bye. you so much
1: for tuning in. Um, you can check me out on Twitter at joy keys again on facebook saturday mornings with joy keys and on instagram saturdays with joy keys i know right i think you got it it's saturdays with joy keys i'm going to be giving away a copy of Masande and tshanga's book triangulum he was on earlier today south african writer, so you definitely want to follow so maybe you can win a copy of the book um and uh thank you for your support and thank you for sharing with friends and family i hope the information has been helpful Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit
2: CDC.gov.
1: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?